You are listening to Go Deeper, the podcast of Deeper Life Bible Church in Atlanta, Georgia. We hope the following message connects you with God, strengthens you in your fellowship with Him, and helps you fulfill His purposes for your life. The following message is delivered by Pastor Binga Omotesho. And the glory of God will fill your life in Jesus' name. How many of you are ready for the word? You're ready for the word. Because the word is coming. I said the word is coming. And the power of God through it that, that comes as a result of the word will flow into your life in Jesus' name. You ready? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We well, bless your name for this special day, this special Sunday service, this glorious time in your presence. Thank you for the open heavens. Thank you for the definite manifestations of your power in this place that you want to move in an unhindered way. You want to move in a spectacular way. We ask, Lord, have your way. Move unhindered. Walk unrestrained in Jesus' name. Every heart will listen to your word. I pray right now that the spirit of destruction come out in Jesus' name. I pray that the people will focus on the word of life in Jesus' name. Have your will, Lord. Bless your people, Lord. Do something great in every life. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Everybody say a louder amen. A better amen. In Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And I'm going to be looking at verse 16. Romans chapter 1. And then from verse 16. Here the word of God says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. To start with, as you look at that verse, here you find the Spirit of God wanting us to know something important. And he's saying this to us from the mouth of his apostle. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What is gospel? Gospel is good news. Gospel is good message. And the apostle says, I am not ashamed of a good message. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of the good news coming from Jesus Christ himself. Think about this. Who amongst us here will be ashamed of good news? You're given a good news, maybe a good news from your place of work. And the good news is that you just got a pay raise. Who will be ashamed of the good news? In fact, you'll be so excited wanting to share the good news. And the apostle says, as you will not be ashamed of a pay raise, I am not ashamed of the good news of the gospel of Christ. Who will be ashamed of a good news? Here you are expecting a child and all of a sudden you go to the hospital and then you were told you're expecting, you're pregnant and expecting 
expecting a baby boy. One will be ashamed of that. You've waited for six years for that child. And here you are, a surprise from heaven, a gift unto you. A child has come. Who will be ashamed of that good news? As you will not be ashamed of a, of a new child that has come your way. The Lord's the apostle Paul says, I will not, I am not ashamed of the good gospel of Christ. Here you are. God has just blessed you. And uh, you've just been given, uh, you've just, uh, just bought yourself, say, a new car. And then you say, this is my car. And then you say, for you to appreciate this, you know, I used to drive an old jalopy, a, an old car. And that car gave me a lot of trouble. But now I got me a new car. And then you say, look at what God has done for me. Who will be ashamed of that? As you will not be ashamed of a new car. Here the Spirit of God says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is the good news of Christ. It's the message of heaven. It's the message coming from heaven to mankind. Here he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And no one should be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It tells us why. It is the power. Everybody say the power. And it's the power of God. Say the power of God. It's the power of God. Take away the gospel. Take away the power. You remove the gospel of Christ. You remove the power of God. The gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ. The good news of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. The good news brings salvation. The good news brings deliverance. The good news brings safety. That good news brings dominion. Is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Praise God, I believe. I believe. I believe. You see, it says for that power to work, for the good news to be effective in your life, you've got to believe. For it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone. Everybody say everyone. You see, God does not discriminate. Human beings may discriminate, but God does not. God does not look at the color of your skin. God does not look at the name you bear. God does not look at whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're a boy or a girl. He wants to bless people. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone. Shout those two words again, everyone. To everyone that believes believes, that believes, that believes. As you come and you say, look at the gospel of Christ, that gospel is presented to you, and you admire that gospel, and you don't reject that gospel, and you don't refuse that gospel, and you don't diminish that gospel, and you don't demean that gospel, and you don't look down on that gospel, and then you appreciate that gospel. It says that gospel will work in your life. It says to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Today I want to speak unto you on the message titled, The Good News of Salvation. 
the good news of salvation. The good news of salvation. Salvation is very important and it's, uh, it's been given by the Lord as good news for mankind because man, man is bound, man has a problem, man is lost in sin and trespasses. Man away from God is bound. You see, there is no man, no matter how rich the individual is. There is no man, no matter how, how physically, how blessed with the things of this world that man is. Man still needs God. I want you to see something in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. And then from verse 1, Luke chapter 19. And then I'm going to show you something from verse 1. Luke 19, what verse? Verse 1. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. And Jesus, everybody say Jesus. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man. Everybody say there was a man. And his name Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. And he was rich. Here you are presented with a man. And the name of that man was who? Zacchaeus. And that man was what? Chief. Chief of the, among the publicans. When you look at the pedigree of that man, when you look at the accolades of that man, when you look at some things that you can use to qualify that man, you can say that man was chief. You can say that man was rich. You, are, you can say that man appeared to be very important. What will a rich man look for? What will an important person look for? Why is there anything else that a rich man needs in life? When you look at mankind, when you look at people around us in our world today, there are people that run after money. And they say, if they can just get money, they will be fine. But there's something, friends, more than money. There's something money cannot buy. You see this man here introduced to us. If you were, you will say, I would like to be like this man, to be rich. I would like to be like this man, to have wealth like he has. But wait a minute before you wish for something you will not just like. Look at what happens here in verse 3. And he sought to see Jesus. And he sought to see Jesus, a rich man. You would have thought the riches would have been enough. A, a wealthy man and a man that appeared in, uh, important in the society. You would have thought that man had everything that he needed. But there was something empty within him. There was something lacking within him. There was something that he needed so badly. And this man, though rich, he sought to see Jesus. I sought to see Jesus, who he was. He's been hearing about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Savior. Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. Jesus Christ, the Helper. Jesus Christ, who forgave sins. Jesus Christ, who delivered the oppressed. Jesus Christ, with whom nothing was impossible. He's been hearing about him. And so he sought to see Jesus, who he was. Why? Be and could not for the press. There were many people around. He couldn't see Jesus. And this man, Zacchaeus, was a short man. He was a man of little stature. He was rich, but he was short. He was rich, but he wanted to see Jesus Christ. And so there were many people there. And then he wondered, what will I do? I want to see Jesus, but there are many people around. How can I see Jesus? There was a hunger within. There was a passion within. There was a desire within his heart. He wanted to see Jesus badly. You see, you can tell when somebody needs something badly. If somebody says, I'm thirsty, and you give him 
Somebody says, I'm thirsty, and you give him what? And you give him food, and then he takes the food and he says, Well, I'm fine. That person was not really thirsty. Is that not so? If somebody was really thirsty, anything else you give, you give, you give him food, he says, I'm not looking for food, I'm looking, I'm thirsty. You give him other things, you give him money, he says, I'm not, it's not money I'm looking for. I am just thirsty. That shows how strong the thirst was. Here you find this man Zacchaeus. He was really hungry to see Jesus. There was something empty within. There was something he needed badly. And he was looking for that thing so seriously. And so there were many people there. There are some, there are some people in life. When there is, uh, there is a small problem like this, they say, well, I want to see Jesus. But a little problem like this, they say, well, that problem is what hindered me from seeing Jesus. It wasn't Zacchaeus. This man was really desperate to see Jesus. And if today you are desperate to see the Lord, you will find him. I said you will find him. And so the man wanted to see Jesus. Verse 4. And he ran before. Think about this. Have you ever found a rich man running? Have you ever found a rich man running? This man ran. He was rich, but he was running. There was a hunger within. And only Jesus could meet that need. He knew that he had something that only Christ could satisfy. Every man in this world, every woman in this world, every boy, every girl in this world has a need that only Jesus can satisfy. Only Jesus can meet that hunger within. And he ran before and climbed up. Think about a rich man running. Think about a rich man climbing a tree. A tree. Think about that. It was a hunger. It was a desire. And it was not just a trivial desire. It was a strong desire. And the man ran and the man climbed because he wanted to see Jesus. You see, whenever you are desperate like that and you really want Jesus, Jesus will show up for you. I said, Jesus will show up for you. And so this man, he ran and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was to pass that way. You knew Jesus was going to pass. You see, for example, thank God you are in church today because Jesus is here today. I said, Jesus is here today. His presence is here today. His power is here today. And it will meet you at your point of needs in Jesus' name. Whatever has brought you here, maybe you, you were invited. You're, I'm glad you are here. Because when you come into a place like this, you come to a place where your destiny is changed for the better. You come to the place where you plug in with power. And the power of God flows mightily into your life. And you are never the same again. That's what we find in the life of Zacchaeus. Jesus was to pass that way. And you came in here because the presence of God is here. The power of God is here. The might of God is here. The glory of the Lord is here. And that might and glory and power will visit you today in Jesus' name. And when Jesus came to the place, think about this. I want you to picture in your mind now. Please look up here. Here you find, Jesus, you find Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, Iran. He says that Jesus Christ, he knew that Jesus was, was going to pass through a particular direction. Jesus was going to pass from here to over there. And when he saw that, he knew ahead of time that there was a tree. Imagine that was a tree. It's a tree, but it's not, it's not like a sycamore tree. You can climb that one. And then he ran and he climbed the tree. And as he climbed the tree, Jesus Christ knew he was going to climb the tree. Jesus knew him. Before, before he climbed, Jesus knew him. He knew his name. He was looking for Christ, but Christ already had him in mind. If you will come to the Lord, you see, he will not reject anyone. And so Jesus Christ in verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place, 
he came to the place. He came to the place. And he looked up. And he looked up and saw him. And saw him. I want you to picture here what will make a rich man to run. What will make a rich man to climb. What will make a rich man to be on the tree and stay on the tree. There was a serious hunger. He wanted something badly from God. You see, that's how you get things from the Lord. When you really want God to visit you. And you want to change from the Lord. And you're desperate enough that the life of sin, for example, will be broken. The chains of sin will be broken. The chains of iniquity will be broken. And you are dead desperate from the Lord. That's how you get the things of God. And so you find here that man, he was on the tree. And then Jesus said unto him, Zacchaeus. Make haste. Make haste. Make haste. Now, you, you see, before you see make haste, God, the Lord Jesus, called his name. And the Lord knows your name. I said, the Lord knows your name. I said, the Lord knows your name. And so he called his name Zacchaeus. Make haste and come down for today. Everybody say, for today. Say it today. For today I must abide at thy house. The Lord said, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down for today. Not tomorrow, for today. You see, when you are desperate in looking for the Lord, when you are desperate to have the Lord meet you at your point of needs, that same day that you are desperate, that there is a desire in your heart, that's when the Lord meets you. The Lord did not say, well, Zacchaeus, you see, there were many people around me. I want to, I want, I just want to focus on the many people. No. Somebody has said, faith localizes deity. When God finds faith, because there was faith in his heart, he was looking for the Lord, and the faith and the desire Desire made him to climb, to go. He said, I must get something from Jesus today. All my sins must be forgiven today. He was rich, but he was a sinner. He was rich, but he was bad. He was rich, but he was wicked. He was rich, but he was unrighteous. And he said, look at all my unrighteousness. I have money, but this money, I got them in a bad way. I have wealth, but look at me. I have position, but look at me. I got these things in a bad way. And I not, my conscience, his conscience was, was pricking him. His conscience was not making him to be at rest. And he said, the only person that can forgive my sins, the only person that can change my life, the only person that can transform me is Jesus Christ. And he's passing this way. He climbed up and Jesus saw him and Jesus called his name. And he said, come down, Zacchaeus, for today I must abide at thy house. Verse 6, look at verse 6. And he made haste and came down and received him how joyfully say it out loud joyfully say it one more time joyfully you see whenever you come to receive christ you must receive him with joy and then look at what happens now in verse 7 and when they saw it there were people around and they knew zacchaeus because he was a publican he was the chief of the publicans. Remember we read that before. The chief amongst the publicans. And it was, it, was, it was not a clean man. It was an unrighteous man. And when they saw it, and Zacchaeus could hear their murmuring, he could hear their words. When they saw it, they all murmured saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. 
Zacchaeus was a sinner. And he was not just a small sinner, he was a big sinner. He was not just a little sinner, he was the chief of the sinners. And so you find Zacchaeus here. Jesus said, make haste, I must abide at thy house. Do you see something here? Jesus loves everyone. He loves the sinner, he just doesn't like the sin of the sinner. Jesus loves you. He wants to save you. He wants to help you. He wants to deliver you. He's not pushing you away. He's saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what he wants to do. Zacchaeus was rich, but he, was, he didn't have rest. He, was not, he didn't have rest in his heart. That's why he climbed. That's why he was looking for the Lord. He was rich, but there was no peace in his heart. He was rich, but he was, there was no joy in his heart. And so when Jesus said, make us come down, he came and received Christ joyfully. And when the people saw it, this murmured, saying that he was going to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said, he heard what the people were saying. He had what the people were saying, that this was a sinner. This was a man that was not real. This was a man that was not clean. This was an unrighteous man. And then he, has, he comes to receive Jesus into his heart. He says, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be born again. This man, the love of money now went away. Jesus became number one lover, in, number one love in his heart. Look at what Zacchaeus said in verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood, and Zacchaeus stood, and Zacchaeus stood. Now, please look up here. I want you to picture the scene here. Look at the scenario here. Here you find Jesus and Zacchaeus. And, Je and Jesus says, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And the people around were murmuring. And they said, look at, how could Jesus accept Zacchaeus? This was a sinner. This was a bad man. And Zacchaeus could hear what the people were saying. And Zacchaeus said, a change has happened now. Jesus has come to me. I I have received him joyfully now. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Lord, in the presence of the people, in the presence of the people, Lord, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. He said the love of money is now out. The love of Jesus is now in. Now, instead of getting from people, I want to give to the people. The half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, what will I do? I restore him how? I restore him how? Shout it out loud. Fourfold. That man now loved God more than money. That man loved people more than money. He said, the half of my goods I give to the poor. If I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, if I've stolen anything from any man by false accusation, I restore fourfold. That means a change had happened. A change had happened. That's what salvation does. Look at verse 9. And Jesus said unto him, this day, this day, this day is salvation come to this house. This day, a change has happened. A change has happened. A change has happened. This day is salvation come to this house. For as much, for so much, that as he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man, Jesus, is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what the Lord 
has done. And that's what the Lord can do. As we look at this, there are three things. I want there are a few things I want to look at. I want to look at, you see, you must know why salvation is good news. You must know why something is good news. You must know the, the past and then you see what the present looks like. You must know what exists today and see what can exist. You must see what is evident now and what is possible in future. You must see what is bad now and then be able to appreciate what is coming. And so you must understand that there is a problem of sin. Sin is a problem. It's the major problem of man. It's the major problem of mankind. Take away sin and take away problem. You see, when Adam and Eve were created by God, they were created in his image and there was no sin with them. But then the moment they sinned against God, sin passed onto every, every seed of Abraham and Eve and then every, 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 everyone born of Abraham, of, of Adam and Eve became a sinner, a sinner by, by nature. We then took on the nature of sin. And then we also became, we, became, uh, we practiced sin. We, we had a choice to make, uh, to either do right or wrong. But we chose sin instead of righteousness because we didn't have the capacity, the power to just stop sinning without the help of God. And so there is the problem of sin. Look at this in Romans chapter 7. Romans Romans chapter 7. See something here from the word of the Lord. Romans chapter 7. And then I want you to pay attention to verse 14. That's why Zacchaeus ran. There was a problem of sin that he couldn't solve. There was a problem of sin that he couldn't overcome. In Romans chapter 7 verse 14. Look at the word of the Lord. For we know that the law is spiritual. For we know that the law is spiritual. What does that mean? The law that says don't steal. That's good. For we know that the law is spiritual. The law that says don't commit adultery, that's good. For we know the law is spiritual. The law that says don't covet, the law, we know that's good. The law that says don't have any other God apart from the Almighty God, that's good. We know that the law is spiritual. Honor the Lord, honor the parents. We know that's good. We know that the law is spiritual. Who will fault the law of God that says don't covet? Don't covet somebody else's property. Don't covet somebody else's money. Don't covet somebody else's husband. Don't covet somebody else's wife. We know that is good. It says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am canal sold on the sin. I am canal sold on the sin. Sin is at the top, is at the bottom. It couldn't rise above sin. It couldn't help without sinning. In verse 15, for that which I do, I allow not. It says, I want to do the right thing, but that which I do, is, it just comes out like that. It's like something else is making me to do things wrong. It is my nature, the nature of sin. For what, that which I do, I allow not. For what I would that do I not. What I would that do I not. But what I ate that do I. Think about that. What I ate that do I. Don't you find people like that? They hate smoking but they find themselves smoking. They ate lying but they find themselves lying. They ate uh, all these things. Uh, it maybe it's that for some people it's drunkenness and they pick that, uh, that uh, bottle of beer and then they drink it and drink it and they can't control themselves. It says what I ate that do I, that do I, that do I. For some people is covetousness, for some people is fighting, for some people is hatred. For what I ate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the Lord that it is good. Now then, 
It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. You know what he's saying? He's talking about the principle of sin. The principle of sin then makes him to do those things. Verse 18, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. How to perform that which is good in the sight of God. I know that this is the way God wants me to do things, but I find myself kicking against the way of God, fighting against the way of God, going against the way of God. There is something that is just contrary to the way of the Lord. He says very clearly here, for I know that in me that is in my flesh, do I let no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not, for the good that I would I do not. But evil which I would not, that I do. And then he tells us, now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. It talks about sin dwelling in him, the principle of sin. Now look at it. I, if the, I, then, I find then a law that when I will do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. You see that? The law of sin. The law of sin. The law of sin. Please look up here. Now there is the law of gravity. When you throw something up, what happens to that thing? It comes down. There's the law of gravity. You throw it up, it comes down. There's the law of sin. And anyone that is not washed in the blood of Jesus is under the control of the law of sin. You cannot, just like an empty bag cannot stand. A person without the life of God will not stand, will not be able to stand to overcome evil or temptations. That's what the word of God is telling us here. Look at this now in verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? That's what Zacchaeus was feeling. Zacchaeus was saying, look at my situation. I have money, but who shall deliver me from this body of this dead? I have, the, I, have pos I have popularity, but who will deliver me from the wickedness? That's why when he heard about Jesus, he ran to Jesus to get deliverance. Because Jesus is the great deliverer. I said, Jesus is the great deliverer. And if you find yourself bound today, you will be delivered. I said, you will be delivered. Because Jesus is present here. His power is here. His might is here. And it will liberate you from the power of sin and the pain of sin in Jesus' name. You see, to have salvation is to be wise. Look at the word of God here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. That's why we must not reject salvation. God's offer of salvation must not be rejected in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And then in verse 15, and that, and that from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. Wise unto salvation. True faith, which is in Christ Jesus. To be saved is to be wise. To be unsaved is to be foolish. 
To be unsaved is not to be wise. That's why you want to make sure you have genuine experience of salvation. You have real conversion experience. You are transformed and translated. You are changed by the power of God as well as translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Christ does for us. The absence of salvation. That's what we have looked at. Now, what happens when salvation comes into our lives? What happens when salvation comes into the life of an individual? Salvation brings a plus. Salvation brings a plus to your life. I say salvation brings a plus to your life. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 9. Now we're looking at the advantage of salvation. Salvation brings a plus to your life. Hebrews chapter 6. And then look at this in verse 9. Hebrews 6, 9. Here he says, but beloved, we are persuaded better things. Everybody say better things. Better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we don't speak. Salvation brings a plus into your life, not a negative. Salvation brings a plus. In fact, uh, you already saw from Zacchaeus that he received him joyfully. Salvation brings a plus. He brings joy. Look at this. I just want to show you a few things. Look at this in Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And see something here. Salvation brings a plus into your life. When you are not saved, when you don't have salvation, you are at a negative. You are at a deficit. You are at a deficit. And, and think about that. Uh, uh, if you think about that, when a person continues to be at deficit and deficit and deficit, the person will eventually be bankrupt. When the person discovers that he dies like this and he finds himself or herself in hellfire, bankrupt. Bankrupt. That's why you have to allow Jesus to wash away your sins. And then you now he credits his righteousness into your account. And he gives you righteousness as well. And you begin to live the life of righteousness. Look at this in Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And then look at the word of God in verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Salvation has joy. The joy that the people of the world cannot explain. The joy is not because you, whether you have a lot of money or you don't have too much money, it's not the case. The joy is there just because you have salvation. You have Christ in you. You have righteousness in you. The joy of salvation. It says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. That's the word of the Lord. Salvation has benefits. And it's as we make sure that we prioritize for salvation. That's when we can get the benefit of the Lord. In Hebrews, look at Hebrews chapter, look at the word of the Lord in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2. What happens when you're saved? There are, there are advantages that you have. Hebrews chapter 2. And then I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3. Hebrews chapter 2. And then look at verse, uh, verse 3 here and see what God is saying. And God is speaking to us. Hebrews chapter 2. And then look at verse, what verse? What verse? Verse 3. It says, how shall we escape? How shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation. Everybody says so great salvation. Say it very well. Now, I want you to see something here. It's not just that it's a great salvation. 
It's so great. It's so great. It's so great salvation. You cannot escape if you reject it. You cannot escape if you neglect it. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? There are some people that say, well, they're still young. Maybe they are 25 or 22 or 31. They say salvation, leave salvation for now. When I become 70, then I will think about salvation. Don't do that because have you heard that 22-year-old people die? Have you heard that children die? Have you heard that young adults die? Have you heard that adults die? Don't delay your salvation because you never can tell. You never, never can tell. That's why the Bible is saying, how shall we escape? How shall we escape? There is no reason you can give God to make you escape his judgment. You cannot say, God, you know, I was too busy studying. I was too busy. I was too busy trying to make money. I was too busy trying to do to live life. That's why I neglected your salvation. God says that reason is not acceptable. That reason will not make you escape my judgment. There is no reason you can give to escape to neglect that will be sufficient to neglect salvation. Impossible. Look at here, you find Jesus Christ. And Jesus was crucified. And is the one, the author of eternal salvation. And you have the thief on his one side, the thief on the other side. And then these were thieves and the, Jesus was there. One of the thieves said, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. It's so an opportunity. It was very close to eternity. It was very close to eternity. It was very close to confronting the judgment of God. And he said, how can I escape? How can I escape? Here, Jesus, the great deliverer, was there right beside him. He said, Lord, remember me. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? There is no way of escape. You cannot say, God, I was in church. And because I was in church, you should accept me. You should not judge me. Me. God will say, sorry, that's not the solution. Were you saved? Do you have salvation? Are you were you born again? And God can tell, you know, God, God can tell whether a person is born again or not. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Salvation is so great. Salvation is, no, is so great. Why is it so great? Because great, the great son of God. The Lord Jesus Christ, he gave his life. He was crucified on the cross. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He was nailed to the cross. They nailed him to the cross. The finger, the, the, the nail prints on his hand. The nail prints on his leg. And then they pierced his side. And then blood and water came out. They placed the crown of thorns upon his head. Just because of us. He paid the ultimate price. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation with the price that he paid, with the suffering that he went through? Jesus suffered on the cross. He said, my father, my father, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken because of our sins. He carried our sins and it was the father looked away from the son because of our sins. How shall we escape? God will say, did you look at my son? 
Did you look at the price he paid? Did you, do you understand the gravity of what Jesus went through on the cross? How shall you escape if you neglect so great salvation? There's no, there's no safety outside of Jesus. There's no way to escape salvation. Is the one that died? Is the one that paid the price? Is the one that paid the ultimate price? All you can do is to bow the knees to Jesus and say, Jesus, I surrender like Zacchaeus. You run, you run to Jesus. You say, Lord, it's me. I need you. I need your salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that had him. That's what Jesus has done. He has provided salvation for us. You see, salvation is very important. Not only will you escape the judgment of God that is to come, but in life, you will be prepared to overcome in the challenges of life. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And see the word of God. Ephesians chapter 6. And then see verse 17. Ephesians chapter 6. And then I want you to see something here. Uh, before I read uh, the, the actual verse, I want to read. I want you to see something very important here. Ephesians chapter 6, and then I'm going to read verse uh, 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Here is writing to the brethren. It's writing to the people of God. It's writing to the people that know the Lord. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. Why? Verse, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the trickeries, the strategies, the maneuverings, the plans, the schemes of the devil. It's saying that you live in a world where there is a devil. And the devil has his schemes and has his plans. And the devil does not have anything good about you. I said, the devil does not have anything good about you. I said, the devil does not have anything good about you. He does not. And the Bible makes it clear it does not. Why? It comes to steal. It comes to kill. It comes to destroy. That's all the devil has. The agenda of the devil for everyone born into this world is like that. It comes to steal. It comes to kill and it comes to destroy. That's why the devil came. And so he tells us very clearly. He says, put on the old armor of God so you can be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. He says, if you're going to stand against the plans of the devil, how do you stand? There are some things that are needed to be able to stand against the plans of the devil. And it's like somebody going to fight in a war. And when people are going to fight in a war, they put on some things. There are some things that they wear to help them so that they will not become cash casualties so that they will not become losers they will be able to win they will become winners how then look how then do you win before you talk about how you win look at verse 12 it says very clearly for we wrestle not for we wrestle not whether you're conscious of it or not you wrestle not whether you know it or not you wrestle not you see the fact that you are on the side of the devil doesn't mean the devil will not fight you because the devil doesn't know anything as being good there's nothing good in satan there's nothing good in satan I said, there is nothing good in Satan. He, he has nothing good. And so, with the fact that you're on the side of the devil doesn't mean he will not fight you. He does not have anything good. He's a wicked individual. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It says there's wickedness in high places. And these are the oppressions of Satan. These are the activities of the demonic world. And said so these are the activities of Satan. But how do you overcome? It says, take unto you, verse 13, the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand. Now, we are going to see something which is, is going to tell us the armors, the pieces in the armor. Look at what it tells us in verse 14. Stand therefore. Having your loins gathered about with truth, the truth of the word of God you are hearing now. In a church like this, the truth will always be shared. The, the truth will always be spoken. The truth will always be preached. The truth is always delivered. In a church like this, the truth is spoken in love. The truth is spoken without fear or favor. The, the truth is spoken. It says, put, stand there for having your loins gathered about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is important. If the devil says there is no righteousness there, it gets the individual. That's why some people have some attacks. That's why some people have some demonic attacks because righteousness is not there. And then above all, taking the shield of faith. Where will you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And even if the devil tries, the righteousness is there and the devil tries to still attack, it says there's the shield of faith. And with that shield of faith, you will ultimately quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And then it tells us in verse 17, and take the ailment of salvation. You see that? And take the ailment of what? Salvation. Now, you've seen people that are driving, for example, if they are riding the bike, they say, put on what? An ailment. If they're taking the motorcycle, they say, what? Put on what? An ailment. Because head injury is typically a fatal injury. That's why salvation is important. Salvation is important. That's why you must make sure that you have salvation. Because that is part of the armor. The element of salvation. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, how do we then come to Christ? Jesus Christ is the Savior. Is the one that has come to save us in Acts chapter. Look at this in, in the word of the Lord. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And then look at this in verse 12. Acts chapter 4. And then in verse 12. Here the Bible says neither. Everybody says need, say neither. It says here, Acts 4.12, uh, neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other person that can save us, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Only Jesus can save. Only who can save? Only who can save? Jesus. Jesus is the only Savior. And if you will come to him and then you accept him as your Lord and Savior, then it will, it will set you free in Jesus' name. In Romans chapter 10, Romans Romans chapter 10, and then I'm going to read verse uh, 9. Romans chapter 10, what verse? Verse 9. Thank you. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. He says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, 
If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is, you hear what I have told you. He was crucified. He carried your sins when he died. And because of you, he went to the cross. And then he was buried. And he rose again on the third day. He rose for your justification. And if you will believe the report, and if you will believe that, that Jesus died for you, you believe in your heart, and that God raised him from the dead, then you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. For with the earth, man believes unto righteousness. You realize religion will not save you. You re realize only Jesus can save you. You realize redemption is in Christ. And then with the heart, you believe in your heart unto righteousness. And with your mouth, you make him your savior. You make confession unto salvation. That's what the word is saying. For, with the, script, for the scripture says in verse 11, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. Christ Jesus came to give us salvation. And it's the good news of salvation that when we are come to Christ and we become born again, our sins are cleansed and then we become victors and not victims. We're able to overcome all the strategies of the devil and we become more than a conqueror through Jesus our Lord. As you believe the Lord today, your sins will be forgiven. Your life will be transformed. And whatever the enemy has done against you with the element of salvation and with the prayer that is prayed here, you will be liberated in Jesus' name. The word of God is clear. How shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation, there's no other way but Jesus the Savior. We're going to pray together now. And I'm going to give you an opportunity if you have not given your heart to Christ, or maybe you gave your life to Jesus before, but you backslid, today is your day of salvation. I said today is your day of salvation. As Zacchaeus received Jesus joyfully, you too receive him joyfully, and you will never be the same. Let's rise on our feet as we pray together. I want you to rise on your feet, and then we're going to pray. Number one, I want you to talk to the Lord. Are you born again? If you're not, the Lord can save you today. It can give you the power to sin no more. And you can escape. You can escape judgment. The eternal judgment of God, you can escape. God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves you so much. He doesn't want you to perish. But you've got to accept his son and believe that he died for you. And accept him as your Lord and Savior. And he will wash away your sins. You will have a brand new life. A brand new life right now. Right now. Today is your day of salvation. Talk to the Lord. Confess your sins. Tell the Lord you're sorry for the things you have done that are wrong in the sight of God. He will forgive you. 
He will cleanse you. He will change you. And then you will become a child of God. And then you have victory over the power of sin and victory over Satan and the works of the devil as well. Today is your day of salvation. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Oh, let's bow the eyes closed. I want to give you an opportunity today. If you have not been born again, or you were born again before and you backslid, today is your day of conversion. God will forgive your sins. He will change your life. He will transform you. And you will never be the same again. If you want your sins forgiven, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Just raise it up. God bless you. Raise it up very well. God bless you. You want your sins forgiven you. And you really mean it. As all heads are uh, eyes are closed and heads bowed, just raise your hand. Raise it very well. So I can see you very well. Just raise it very well. God will forgive your sins. He will pardon you. He will change your life. He will transform you. As you are raising your hand, I want you to tell the Lord you are sorry. You're sorry for your sins. You believe Jesus died for you. You believe he died on the cross. You really mean it in your heart. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive my sins. Lord, forgive my sins. He will forgive your sins. And then you promise the Lord you will not go back to them again. That today will be the turning point in your experience with God. Today will be your the turning point. A new nature you will have. A new life you will have. Total change and transformation by the power of the gospel. The good news of Christ helps us to be redeemed by this blood. He shed his blood to redeem us. He shed his blood to cleanse us. Yes, today can be your day. Tell the Lord you're sorry. Tell the Lord you're sorry for your sins. Tell the Lord you believe Jesus Christ died for you. Tell the Lord you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Tell the Lord that he is now your savior. Lord, I confess you as my savior. Lord, I confess you as my savior. Lord, I confess you as my savior. And then a change will happen. An unforgettable change. Unforgettable change. And you will never forget today. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those who have raised up their hands. They want forgiveness through Christ. They want brand new life in Christ. They want the change that Christ has offered. I pray for them now, Lord, that by your spirit and power, because according to your word, that with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, with the heart will believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead, Lord, as they have believed. And as they have confessed, Lord, I ask at this time, by your mighty power, that you will forgive their sins in Jesus' name. That you will forgive their sins in Jesus' name. Now, those of you who are, who are raising up your hands, I want you to say this out loud after me. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing your word to me. Thank you that Jesus died on the cross for me. Thank you for you raised him from the dead. I believe he was raised from the dead. 
I believe he was raised to justify me. Now I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Now I confess Jesus as my Lord. Now I confess Jesus as my Lord. And I believe according to scriptures that now I am saved. Now I am saved. Thank you, Lord, for the answer. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. We're almost done. Now we're going to pray. And we're going, I'm going to pray for those who have one challenge or the other. There are people that are here for the first time. And you have never, maybe you have never seen a miracle before. God is about to visit you with a miracle. Whatever the problem that God is going to touch you today, the hand of God will visit you. The power of God will visit you. If you're sick in your body, the Lord will heal you. If you're pressed, the Lord will deliver you. Whatever the power of Satan has done there, today we will undo it. Today we will undo it. Today we will undo it in the name of Jesus. That's what God will do for you. I said that's what God will do for you. Now please look up here. Look up here briefly. If, uh, I want you to identify what the problem is. Whatever the problem is, if it's sickness in your body, you put your hand on your body. If it's a pain, you put your hand there. Whatever the problem is, if there's something you are believing God for, according to the word of God, you put that in your mind. And then as we pray together now, you will see God will answer and answer speedily in Jesus' name. I said it will answer speedily in Jesus' name. If you have never seen a miracle before, get ready, you will see one. I say, get ready, you will see one. God will visit you. Now, God moves in the area of finances as well. He's able to provide for you. He's able to provide opportunities for you. Whatever it is, whatever it is, and you will have a testimony in Jesus' name. Now, raise your, as you put one hand on your body, raise up the other hand to the Lord as we pray together. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is the helper. Jesus is the solution, is the solution provider, is the provider of solution. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray now for your people, those who have one need or the other, and they are believing you and trusting you to intervene on their behalf. I ask at this time, dear Lord, that you will intervene on their behalf in Jesus' name. The sickness over there, I command you, come out in Jesus' name. That pain over there, I command you, come out in Jesus' name. That attack of the devil over there, I command you, come out in Jesus' name. That oppression and affliction of the adversary over there, I command you, come out in Jesus' name. Whatever the enemy has done in any family here, I undo in Jesus' name by the power of the Lord, I command every any evil spirit, tormenting spirit, I command you, come out in Jesus' name. I take authority wherever the fire of hell is burning, the fire of the devil is burning. I command that fire right now, come out in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray peace in the place of trouble, victory in the place of defeat, dominion in the place of downfall, and then joy 
joy in the place of sadness in Jesus name thank you father for the answer for everyone here meet them at their point of needs financial needs meet their lord material needs meet their lord spiritual needs meet their lord and grant your people victory in jesus name we thank you because we know you have answered glory to god in the highest in Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. And everybody said, Thank you for listening to this message from Deeper Life Bible Church in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information about our church, you can visit us on Facebook or contact us by phone at 404-219-9598.